seeing the Russell 2000 uh, moving higher, seeing these breakouts in some small cap names, seeing uh, the rotation of the marketplace into new sectors and new industry groups, uh, I think is really exciting because you could have a, a stealth bull market, right? In the average stock, maybe the index doesn't uh, doesn't pull out higher, and, and that's maybe bad news for the passive buy and hold closet indexers. But for those of us who are uh, investing in individual securities or being a little more tactical in terms of where we put capital to work, I think there's a lot of good news happening under the hood. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts, Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast. My name is Andrew Wilkinson. I thought it would be a good way to end the year and look forward to 2024 by reviewing some charts with my favorite technical analyst, Tyler Wood. Welcome back, Tyler. Thanks, Andrew. Good to see you. It's good to see you, mate. Um, back, it's, Tyler's back from the Chartered Market Technicians Association, or the CMT. And I think last time we did a podcast in July, Tyler, we called it, I, I stole a, a, a line from what you said, which is, I have some good news. Explain the technical <laughs> analyst. And, and things kind of looked up from there. So how do you see the world at this point? You know, it's funny. I, I uh, delivered that quote saying the good news was we don't have to predict the future. Technical analysis allows us to stay on the right side of trends no matter what right. way they are headed. And yes, uh, we certainly have seen uh, a healthy rally in 2023, uh, very fair and orderly seasonal weakness in, in October and November. I think there was uh, a bit more of a sentiment washout than, than what I was expected. But here we are, uh, December 12th, uh, rallying above the uh, July highs and, and making a run at all-time highs from 2021. Okay, so Tyler's given me a series of charts, and I'm going to include them in the show notes. You'll, you'll see those at ibkrpodcast.com in the episode uh, show notes. So take a look at those to kind of view along. Let, let's start then, I think, Tyler, with the SPX, the S&P 500. What are you seeing there? The thing that most people forget is that markets can move in three directions. Right. We love a binary black and white world where it's either going up or it's going down. Uh, but when when you look at three years of market history on the S&P 500, we, we rallied through 2021 uh, and and that felt like a great bull market. 2022 was uh, really quite fair and orderly uh, retracement of a lot of those gains as we saw interest rates peak. And we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Where we're at right now is um, is a little bit of a confusing point. Certainly, there is a, a, a strong equity rally, um, and it's been led by uh, the, the mega cap tech names. Growth stocks have uh, been our leadership groups throughout uh, this rally. And when I'm looking, you know, at uh, at us reclaiming those highs from uh, from July and maybe making a run at all time highs uh, to reclaim, you know, where we reached in, in 2021, that's all fine and well. Uh, I, I certainly root for the U.S. economy and root for the market. And I think maybe we're a little over our skis in terms of the market pricing in this uh, expected soft landing from the Fed. But when I look at a chart like this, uh, it doesn't scare me that potentially we you know, hit some resistance back at the 4750 level and tank. Right. There are plenty of talking heads on financial news media predicting the, the end times uh, to come in 2024. 
And they may be right. They're very smart people. They're looking at a lot of uh, data sets. And I think uh, a lot of the macro investors have, have been very resistant to this year's equity rally. Firstly, they point to breadth. Uh, and then they also point to the fact that uh, the macro landscape and the lagging effect of these higher uh, sustained rates from the Fed could could really pose a, a drawdown on the economy that we haven't seen yet. Um, so case in point, right, people talk about uh, most mortgages in the U.S. locked in for 30 years at low rates. How about our Canadian counterparts? They have to refinance every five years. Or what about the folks that need to buy a new car and what are those uh, loans going to cost? Uh, in terms of how that pinches uh, the cash flow in the economy, uh, we may not have seen the full effect of these uh, Fed rate hikes yet, which is why they paused uh, quite a while ago. And, and we've just been sustaining higher for longer. Uh, when people look at those historical corollaries, when, when, the, when the Fed has paused rate hikes, we've often seen uh, market uh, retracements and, and, and severe bear uh, activity after the fact, right? It could be a, a three to six month lag. So now you've, you, the, the next chart we wanted to look at is the value line geometric, which I'm gonna ask you to explain for the listener and for my benefit. What is, what is the value line geometric chart all about? Yeah, so people talk about the stock market, uh, but it's not a stock market or just the index. Uh, it is a market of stocks. And they're in the average stock in the United States, we haven't seen a strong rally, uh, meaning here in 2023, as the index climbed higher, the average performance has really been uh, quite a quite a choppy range bound mess. And you'll you'll see it in that chart. Um, from from our trend models, it's re-entered, uh, you know, an upward trending environment uh, in the weak form. This is on a weekly basis, but we're seeing a break back to positive momentum. We're seeing it uh, re-enter a positive trend on this value line geometric index. And and like the RSP or any other vehicle you might look at uh, to see an equally weighted uh, performance of the average stock. This is another way of looking at that. And and the point that I think I would want to make to all the listeners is that absolutely the equity index, uh, it's nice to see that reclaiming uh, prior highs or, or maybe even uh, making a run at a breakout. But as investors, we have tons of opportunity under the hood. And all of the critics of this bull market uh, saying that, you know, there's there's no breadth expansion. It's just these uh, magnificent seven that are that are carrying us higher. You know, this week we saw semiconductors breaking out to all-time highs. We saw small cap industrials breaking out to all-time highs. There's there's a lot happening under the hood, which doesn't necessarily equate to a, uh, a new breakout in all-time highs at the index level. So the point that I wanna make is, as everybody starts to think about, you know, what's the game plan for next year? Uh, everyone's trying to predict the future about what's gonna happen with, with the Fed and how markets will react. What I would say is, the good news is you don't have to predict a, a scenario for the index. And, and it may be another lost decade. Who knows, right? We could chop around at the index level for 10 years. But seeing the Russell 2000 uh, moving higher, seeing these breakouts in some small cap names, seeing uh, the rotation of the marketplace into new sectors and new industry groups, uh, I think is really exciting because you could have a, a stealth bull market right in the average stock maybe the index doesn't uh, doesn't pull out higher and, and that's maybe bad news for the passive buy and hold closet indexers but for those of us who are uh, investing in individual securities or being a little more tactical 
in terms of where we put capital to work, I think there's a lot of good news happening under the hood. And so that that value line geometric index, it's it's not a uh, it's not in a raging uptrend, but you'll see that you know we've broken back above some downward sloping trend lines uh, for the third time. We've re-entered uh, trending conditions based on our model, and uh, I, I just see uh, some good news on the horizon for expanding breadth and the rotation in the market, which. The great Ralph Akampora said, rotation is the lifeblood of bull markets. Now, Tyler, we've got to back up here a little bit. We're going to talk about the 10-year Treasury uh, yield. It's been a big year for uh, monetary policy. The Fed seems to have stopped tightening back on uh, November the 1st. How does the 10-year yield look chart-wise? So, uh, you know, we're still a series of higher highs and higher lows. Uh, the, the pace of rate increases, I think was what shocked the market. Um, the uncertainty in 2022 of just how fast and how far, nobody quite knew what the uh, what the upside target was. And, and some very prominent technical analysts uh, were, were calling for 5%, uh, well, well before the rest of the public uh, even, even thought that was possible. When, when I think about 10-year treasury yields, I like to look at a quarterly chart, it goes back to, about the time that I was born and my parents bought their first mortgage in 81 and, you know, they were paying 17 percent on that. So we have been in a structural downtrend for 40 years or 39 and a half years. And what started as just a reversion to the mean back to that downward sloping trend line uh, off the covid lows in 2020, we've broken higher and we're, we've sustained that upward trend. So when I look at this on a weekly basis, you know, we're coming back to test support at around, uh, you know, the 4.2 level. Uh, we're seeing momentum, you know, strike a little negativity. And maybe it's a pause here, which is very healthy. That's a that's a tailwind for risk assets and for equities. But I certainly wouldn't be in the camp that would predict uh, a return to zero interest rates or, or negative interest rates that they saw in Europe. I, I don't think we're going back there. And I'm not alone in that opinion. I think you've probably heard that from every one of your guests. Let Where me, we go. Let me ask yeah, you a go, question please. about that. You, um, amidst all the panic, when yields hit 5%, was that kind of a did, did you feel a bit of relief at that point? Do you think ah, this, this is this is going to create change for the market trend? Great change for the average household, big time, and not not positive change, right? We're, we're fighting inflation and we're also constricting uh, capital flows. So for the average household, that's that's not good news. But it doesn't have to be the end times for all investors. Uh, if you look back at you know the 1950s, and, and I don't put a ton of weight in, in historical corollaries, but you can have a bull market in a rising rate environment. There's more volatility. Uh, maybe you need to think about shortening up your time frames for what you're holding. Uh, but a rising rate environment is inher inherently bullish for the economy. And uh, I think the, uh, the, the fear that uh, we've, we've spiked in rates or that the expectation that they would be back at, you know, 1% by the end of the year uh, is really, that's maybe short-sighted. I, I don't see a a Fed cutting cycle that's going to begin or begin so aggressively uh, in, in the early part of next year. Yeah, our economist Jose Torres has been talking, re referring to this period between the end of tightening and the start of cutting as a monetary policy bridge. And he's got yeah. a few things to say about that. It's kind of where you, where you, you're, you're, you're on the bridge fishing with us right now, Tyler. 
<laughs> yeah, we're going to hear from Chairman Powell tomorrow uh, on the 13th, and we'll we'll probably get the same kind of narrative that we've heard, which is uh, we're, we're sticking with these higher rates while we continue to fight uh, towards our inflation target. Uh, you know, core numbers versus uh, headline numbers or, or what everybody wants to talk about. And for me, you know, as an investor, it's important to understand the relationship between these assets. The intermarket analysis that John Murphy taught us uh, back in the day is, is still really important, very valid today. But I certainly don't want to spend too much time trying to predict what the Fed's going to do. I'll just react what to what comes my way. Now, 2023 being a good year for the dollar based upon that prior conversation about rising interest rates, rising yields. We're pretty much on that monetary policy bridge. What, what's what's the implication for the dollar index on the chart? You know, the the dollar index is a really important uh, corollary to what happens with risk risk assets. And so, when we can get a break in that dollar strength, it's uh, it's been a good time for equity rallies, and they they tend to be very strongly uh, anti-correlated. Um, what we've seen from uh, 2021 over the last three years is this incredible strength. In the U.S. dollar, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to lean on my macroeconomist friends uh, to help explain. We're probably the dirtiest shirt in, or the cleanest shirt in the dirty laundry pile, right? Which is the phrase that everyone uses. I, I don't see a currency war uh, coming coming along. I don't see China just uh, dumping all of its uh, U.S. debt holdings. Um, what I think, what I think happens from here is that we're stabilizing. Right. So we peaked out in September of 22. Uh, we, we started to see some relief on that dollar strength, uh, basing out through most of 2023, chopping around, which is uh, really good for markets. Right. It doesn't actually matter so much where the level is. But when you have currency stability, I think that relieves some of the uncertainty for investors. And uh, we had a little rally through the fall that correlated with the uh, the seasonal weakness in equity markets. And right now we're turning back up again, but we're at fairly neutral momentum. We're kind of chopping around here at this, uh, you know, 103, 102 level. And that's uh, that's not a bad spot for us to be. Heading into year end, I've heard the expression, the everything rally. And one of the one of the ingredients there in that rally has been gold, which has perked up this year again, courtesy of inflation. What's what what's gold looking like chart wise? You know, I, I pulled this out on a monthly chart. Uh, I'm not the only person looking at this, right? But we have a decades-long basing pattern. You know, from the the highs in 2011 back to the uh, the, the rally in gold in uh, 2020, and that huge smiley face that you see on your screen is uh, is what Luis Yamada and Ralph Acampora and Alan Shaw, you know, like, we want to buy smiley faces. You know, when they break out of a basing pattern that's a decade long, that could be really, really bullish. Now, for four years, we have been retesting that 2100 an ounce uh, sort of level for gold. We cannot break through it. Uh, we we uh, rallied through the end of last week, had kind of a blow off top, and we've corrected sharply this week. Here's what I would say as an investor. Uh, every one of my econ textbooks in, in grad school said, yeah, gold is the flight to safety. That's the place you go in an inflationary environment to uh, you know, have a store of value. Well, there are alternatives in 2023 for people looking for a store of value that's perhaps not so uh, impacted by inflation. And I think that that may be one of the things that is putting this uh, really heavy ceiling on, on gold breaking out above 2100. If it does, Right. And here's here's the scenario playing that I am comfortable with. 
we know that breaking above 2100 at all time highs above this resistance level we've tested now five times going back to 2011, that's a sizable move. The investor psychology around gold, if we're breaking out to all time highs above this resistance level that has been uh, so heavy on uh, on gold, then I think there's a, there's a real interest from a lot of investors to being long gold. And that's just going to drive demand, which is going to drive price up. So uh, do we continue to chop around and retest that level a few times? Potentially. Uh, Andrew, I have a, a young daughter who practices Taekwondo and sometimes she has to do board breaking. And I'm not going to lie. Sometimes she takes three, four or five whacks at that board before uh, before she can get through it. Uh, what we know about resistance levels is the more times they are tested, the more likely it is that they break through eventually. Now, the final chart, this is this is a really good way to wrap up uh, today's conversation, uh, is oil, crude oil, and has significant implications. It's had, it's, it's had a great bull market of its own. The fundamentals have lined up behind it. And then mm -hmm. as the economy is, you know, ripped and the Fed is trying to contain it, people seem to be looking at... Uh, uh, commodities thinking that just perhaps this, you know, if there is a soft landing or he heaven forbid a hard landing, then crude oil is going to suffer. So we're back to somewhere around the $70 mark on crude oil. How does that chart play out? So uh, for us, looking at the trend model, you know, we we rallied a bit through the fall. We're back into uh, no-go conditions or downtrends. We've got negative momentum. Uh, you know, for me, that's a bullish sign for the economy, for uh, you know, for the fight of against inflation. We don't want to see oil back above two hundred dollars a barrel. That that's a huge uh, drag on a lot of small business owners and a lot of the industrial economy. Um, but what what I really like seeing uh, through 2022 and 2023 was this stabilization, right? Oil was negative. Uh, what a what an crazy a crazy time we live in, Andrew. Negative pricing on barrels of oil uh, in the depths of the pandemic. That's a logical low for what was a multi-decade uh, or a decade-long downtrend in crude. Uh, could that have been the low, and we we pop off of that into what could be a you know commodities super cycle or a super duper cycle or whatever silly name you want to put on it, uh, what commodities trends tend to look like is, uh, you know, longer term, we see uh, we see the dominance, right? Stocks over rocks or rocks over stocks. And I think if if we are going to see a bull market across commodities, oil is definitely going to be participating. Uh, I think time frame really matters. So if we're talking about, you know, what does this look like in 2030? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a a very different conversation to you know do I want to be invested in oil right now and the answer is no right now uh, it's it's in a downtrend there's negative momentum crude is uh, is pulling back and that that could be bullish for the economy uh, for small business owners and for industrials uh, but do I think the um, uh, do I think crude is going back to zero absolutely not uh, and and certainly it looks structurally like. We've uh, we've set some new highs. Uh, we've failed to reclaim those and, and break out again. Uh, but I would venture to guess that over the next few years, we'll, we'll continue to see commodities uh, start to perform well against uh, other asset classes. What's the feeling amongst the, the professional crowd of CMT charter holders, those who work for investment banks and broker dealers and so on? What, what, what are you guys telling you? What's the feedback, uh, the outlook for next year? What do they think? You know, uh, it's it's fairly well split which is what makes a good market, 
right? If everybody's on uh, one side of the boat, uh, it tends to tip over. Uh, and so depending on your time frame and the tools that you're using, you could come up with evidence uh, for either scenario. But I think technical analysts as a whole would agree that, uh, you know, where the index uh, heads is not the most important thing. It's uh, getting your sector bets right, making sure you can be tactical. If, uh, if we're in a, a higher volatility regime with uh, rates being higher, maybe we shorten up our time periods a little bit. Uh, maybe investors, instead of holding for multi-year periods, start to look at things rotating every six to nine months and, and paying closer attention to what those leadership groups are. Uh, we've certainly seen the the rotation cycles uh, speed up. And I think part of that has to do with the frictionless way in which people trade through ETFs and other vehicles. Uh, and we've certainly seen explosive activity in the options market, which uh, uh, which certainly changes the the tenor of uh, of market trading as well. You mentioned uh, small cap um, uh, stocks earlier on. Um, why Why would they be breaking up now? So when, when you talk about the everything rally, right, uh, when we look at rotation and we start to see value uh, performing better in a higher rate environment, um, you, I'm going to get I'm going to use the F word here for a second, Andrew, uh, the fundamentals uh -oh. of the companies, uh, those those small cap and value names start to look more attractive as people digest the fact that we might have higher rates for much longer. So the long duration uh, growth equities that, that have held our market up this year, maybe potentially don't look as good under that backdrop of, uh, of a Fed that's not willing to start cutting. Um, and I think, you know, commentary from Chairman Powell tomorrow will be important, but also what they uh, act on in the first quarter. If, if they are sustaining these levels, then uh, we could see investors really start to shift uh, their holdings and, and start to allocate, you know, watch those money flows. If they are piling into those small caps, uh, we, we could certainly see a, a massive rally under the hood that wouldn't really impact the, the index level. And I'm certainly rooting for uh, an everything rally. I think it's, uh, it's about time to have that breadth expansion and see some new leadership emerge. Excellent. Tyler, brilliant. Thank you very much. One, one, one final, final question. What's the outlook for the CMT from here? Uh, you, you mentioned Dubai to me earlier on. What's, what's happening? I'm so glad you asked. Speaking of uh, crude oil downtrends, uh, the, the Gulf region is an incredible financial powerhouse. Uh, Dubai is one of the freest cities in the world. And we, we opened an office in India in 2018, and there is a inextricable link between the, the vast and fast-growing Indian economy and the financial center in Dubai. Uh, we have members all over the world, and instead of hosting our large flagship event in New York each year, here in 2024, we are moving that to Dubai. So mark your calendars for leap year uh, 2024. We're, we're going to be hosting February 28th and 29th at the Crown Prince's Museum of the Future in Dubai, a, uh, a wonderful seminar with some of the world's top money managers, trend followers, global macro analysts. Uh, we're really excited about uh, what we're able to pull together. And, you know, Dubai is sort of the... Uh, the crossroads of the globe. Everybody can get there with a uh, pretty pretty easy flight. So looking forward to that. And hopefully some of our uh, interactive brokers friends will uh, will come join us. Very good. Um, I, I certainly hope so. Tyler Wood, CMT uh, of the Chartered Market Technical uh, uh, Analysts Association. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much, Andrew. Happy holidays to everyone. Sending love and light. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Tyler. Bye for now. 
Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcasts.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary, seek professional advice. Futures are not suitable for all investors. The amount you may lose may be greater than your initial investment. Before trading futures, please read the CFTC Risk Disclosure. A copy and additional information are available at IDKR.com. There is a substantial risk of loss in foreign exchange trading. The settlement date of foreign exchange trades can vary due to time zone differences and bank holidays. The interest rate on borrowed funds must be considered when computing the cost of trades across multiple markets. Any discussion or mention of an ETF is not to be construed as recommendation, promotion, or solicitation. All investors should review and consider associated investment risks, charges, and expenses of the investment company or fund prior to investing. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, as necessary, seek professional advice. Options involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. For more information, read the characteristics and risks of standardized options, or ODD, which may be accessed through the link found in the show's notes or podcast description page.